going on, Only Playbook fans? We're back. Week nine is in the books. We have to recap it as we do every single week. I'm back from my hiatus. You guys were holding down the fort for me last week, so I appreciate that. Uh, a lot of shit talking while I wasn't listening. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> not not at all. You warned me, and I still did what you guys warned me to not do, and it still it didn't work out for me. So uh, we'll, we'll jump into all of that. I'm Sweetgar. I got Chovich to show. Happy week 10 Eve, I guess. How are you guys doing? Doing great, man. I'm I'm coming off of a heartbreaking, heartbreaking point one, lost by a yard, loss. But you know what? The silver lining is I got my quarterback, and we're moving on and to bigger and better things uh, on on the upcoming weeks. Yeah, same same all for me. It's either win by a little bit or lose by a little bit. There's no in between. So pulled off a random win. No thanks to my quarterback, who I regret drafting all of a sudden. Yeah, same for me. If I lose, I lose by five or six. If I win, oh wait, that hasn't happened yet. So we haven't had to worry about that. Uh, let's kick off all of the action, guys. Enough chit chat. Let's kick things off with water cooler talk. <laughs> the Indianapolis Colts are in shambles, to say the least. They have officially fired Frank Reich after starting the season three, five, and one. And um, I don't know if you know there's a way to say that this team is tanking without actually tanking on the field, but they have officially hired inexperienced former Indianapolis called center Jeff Saturday as their interim head coach Saturday's never coached in the NFL. He's never coached in college. Uh, I think he's coached in middle school maybe, uh, but he is an ex Indianapolis Colt. So uh, I don't know if you guys watched the press conference, but it was one of the it, uh, Jim Irsay. That was embarrassing. That was an embarrassing said, press conference. He said everything like he was using reasons why Saturday was a good hire, but his logic were all reasons why somebody would be like, why would you hire him? Right. He was like, yeah. he does he doesn't have any experience. He doesn't know what it's like to handle situations under pressure in the NFL yet. <laughs> so it's all like, he's actually so ignorant to the NFL yeah. that it makes it a good hire, which was the most counterproductive argument I've ever seen in my life. Um, so it almost led me to believe they're just like, Hey, Jeff, rest of the year, you're our head coach. We'll pay a couple million bucks, you know, Let's just rile, rile up the team and and give some interesting press game, you know, press conferences and pregame things. But at the end of the day, we just want you to lose. So that's kind of what it seemed like was happening. But um, I, I don't know. I don't know what to really make of this. But yeah, uh, and Jeff Saturday, Jeff Saturday, who was an analyst on ESPN, they interviewed him. And they're like, what's going on? Like, what happened? He's like, I honestly don't know. But when you get an opportunity to coach an NFL team, you accept the job. Like, yeah, that was his answer, too. So he was just as shocked. Everybody is equally shocked here. He has been a consultant for the Colts in like the past weeks or so. So it's not like some random guy from the street or whatever. They've been using him. So, you we, know, weeks, I, of, weeks of NFL experience to run a seven billion dollar franchise with no experience. Don't forget. Don't forget. I mentioned this a couple of days ago. But I mean, when Peyton Manning's rubbing your butt for like multiple seasons in a row, hearing all those audibles, sweet nothings. You got to learn something from it, right? Like he's the closest person to Peyton Manning. He knows exactly when he's snapping the ball, all that stuff. There's got to be something there. Yeah. And again, if there's not, there's really no, there's no negative ramifications to this at all. They already suck. The franchise is already in shambles. This is just a clear excuse to continue to tank. But, um, and then the last thing on this and we'll move on. Did you guys see the video? I'd never seen this when it came out live where Peyton Manning is going at Jeff Saturday on the cold sideline when yeah. they were playing. And then, yeah. and then at the very end of the video, he's like, I'm mic'd up by the way. So I didn't know if he was totally just bullshitting that whole thing just because he was mic'd up. Cause I've never seen Peyton Manning that fired up with anybody. And the 
way he was like telling them like, oh, I don't, you know, don't worry about coaching. Cause apparently Saturday was trying to coach from the center position. He's yeah. like, just worry about blocking, block, block the guy in front of you. Like, was that all because he knew he was mic'd up or was that in the heat of the moment? I couldn't really tell, but I guess uh, we'll still, never know. Still awesome footage to have. Now you're looking full circle and Peyton Manning's probably going to do a Manning cast with Saturday as head coach. So it's going to create a whole lot of additional content for the NFL, which means a lot of money for them, which means their teams can afford to continue to tank. Um, so good for the Colts. We'll see kind of what that means for that franchise. Uh, real quick, I want to highlight Odell Beckham is officially uh, listed as eligible to return from his injury. Um, I think he's going to sign with the week uh, team and he's still going to need at least a couple weeks of uh, practice and, and, and really kind of getting to the flow of things to get uh, going, but he does make an intriguing last minute fantasy acquisition. If your team's already kind of top notch and you just need a, you know, a flyer in the flex position that can give you that boom type of put you over the top, or again, it's Odell Beckham, right? So you pick him up and he does good for one week and your team doesn't really need him. Uh, you can trade him. So all the teams on the radar, I know the Cowboys are making a ton of steam. Uh, Vikings are in the mix, Kansas city, Buffalo, the Rams, uh, New Orleans, all in the mix. So I think whichever team picks him up, he's obviously an intri intriguing fantasy look. Uh, but I, I mean, again, it's going to take a couple weeks for him to get, get into the, uh, I guess the fix of the NFL and whatever team he signs onto, is there really much value in stashing him for a late playoff run? If you're a fantasy football team, um, from a injury standpoint, no player has ever come back from an ACL revision on the same knee and done anything in the NFL. So from that perspective, this is not worth it, but I mean, it, like you said, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're in a good spot and you want to stash somebody for the what ifs. Go for it. Really nothing to lose here. Yeah, I mean, if you have plenty of receivers already on your team, you're not going to go out and get him. But if you're slim on receivers for whatever reason, injuries, then maybe you can stash him and see what you can make of it. I'm not sure. Does he have an IR designation? Or is he still injured? or is He doesn't. So he is going to take mm -hmm. a roster spot. So that's where it becomes tricky with bye weeks and everything. And even if he signed this week, he's not probably not going to play for another two weeks. So you're really just banking on sitting a guy and hoping that he can recreate what he once was. So it's a pipe dream. But if you have the roster flexibility, it's it's de definitely not the worst decision in the world. That's all we got for Water Cooler Talk, guys. Let's get into the action with the rundown. I'll kick things off. First game on the board takes us to Atlanta, where the Falcons were hosting the Chargers this week. Chargers came into this game as three-point dog road favorites, actually, and the line pushes. They win 20-17 to 17 final, under 49.5 caches. The Chargers somehow through pretty much the entire team getting decimated are now five and three. So uh, just wait till this team is back from all the guys decimated with injury. Atlanta now drops to four and five. They were winning the division. Now they're still tied atop the division, but they do not hold the tiebreaker. Uh, interesting game. Welcome, welcome back, Cordero Patterson. 13 carries, 44 yards, finds the end zone twice. Uh, one catch, nine yards. The team as a whole ran the football effectively against the Chargers defense, who is not good. 35 carries, 201 rushing yards and two touchdowns. But the flip side of that is they cannot pass the football, right? 129 yards passing through the air. Uh, Marcus Mariota, no touchdown passes uh, and didn't really run the ball himself that effectively as well. So they were very, very one-dimensional. And when they needed to pass the football, they could not. On the Chargers side, it is pretty much the usual suspect. Austin Eckler is having a normal day at the offense. 14 carries, 47 yards and a touchdown. Caught seven balls for only 27 yards, but also found the end zone through the air. So two touchdowns for him seems, again, like the norm, which is scary, scary stuff if you're an Austin Eckler owner uh, in a good way or if you're playing against him. He is the worst player to play against because his points are absolutely guaranteed. Uh, Justin Herbert, Shisho, you are a Herbert owner. What is the sentiment as a Herbert owner in this part of the season? Is he a auto start? Are you looking for other options? Where is your head at? 
I told you guys two weeks ago he was not an auto start, and um, I still don't think he's an auto start. But the problem here is unless you have a Fields or something, I'm not going to go out and find a Mariota to start over him. I'm not going to go find you know I, I would this week I would start Garoppolo over him. I'm actually looking at that um, situation right now. Um, haven't made a decision. But, you know, he's definitely not an auto star by far. He's definitely not an auto star. He's throwing 10 passes to Eckler. Eckler's having a field day because of this no wide receiver situation. Um, but until these two wide receivers come back, this offense looks like trash. The only reason it looks a little good is because they throw so much. They throw so much, and Herbert's still a good quarterback. But from a fantasy perspective, this is – I'm staying away. If I can find any way to not start him, I am not starting him. And it seems like the whole, until you can get his receivers back, Mike Williams probably comes back, but this Keenan Allen thing seems to be a myth every week. Is he going to be healthy enough to play? And he's just not. And then I think he re-aggravated the hamstring injury in practice last week. So we knew what that was. You guys talked about it on last week's episode. This is why you don't draft Keenan Allen. Sexy, sexy name, productive on the field. A lot of guys respect him, but he can't stay on the field. So it's unfortunate. Again, Mike Williams, they're hoping to get him back. And the guy that was the auto start just out of sheer necessity was Joshua Palmer, who ends up having a nice day. Eight, eight catches, 106 yards on 10 targets. Uh, so he is, you know, again, like you said, the ball's got to go somewhere. And when Eckler's on the sideline catching his breather from all of his millions of touches, somebody has to catch the ball. So Palmer seems like the guy. DeAndre Carter, if you're getting a little bit crazy or frisky, Gerald Everett's been a nice find at the tight end position but uh aside from that again the chargers five and three miraculously still have a you know really decent shot in the division uh with all the decimation of injuries they're hoping to get some guys back atlanta don't really know what to make of them cordero patterson is back but they have to find some uh find some capabilities in the passing game otherwise they become way too one-dimensional chargers win that game 20 to 17 final in a matchup of two animals the dolphins went to go visit the bears at soldier field chicago was uh, favored it by four and a half, and the over hit at 45 and a half. Dolphins ended up winning the game 35 to 32. It was a high scoring affair that we probably would not have thought would have been this high scoring, maybe even like four weeks ago. Uh, Miami's now six and three. Chicago drops to three and six. Um, on the Miami side of things, from a fantasy perspective, uh, Tua went 21 of 30. He hit the 300 mark once again, um, three touchdowns. He leads the league in multiple QB statistical categories now and is officially an everyday starter. Um, and there's MVP talks in at Bruin. You know, um, I think it's pretty, pretty deserved at this point. And it's not only because he's uh, playing like a conservative quarterback, but he's taking the risks and he's got really good footwork. Like Steve Young mentioned, I think I told you guys like three weeks ago, before he got hurt, um, Steve Young was saying how he has Hall of Fame footwork, and he's also a left-handed left-handed quarterback, so he sees a lot of himself in him. Uh, these are not my words; they're Steve Young's words. So I think it should be kind of uh, you know, there's there's some truth to it. He's making a lot of good decisions, and I think he's come into fantasy football and become a stardom and forget him situation when you have Tyreek Hill playing nuts and um, Waddle playing crazy, and he's and Tua's not making mistakes. Um, that equals a successful fantasy start. From a running back perspective, Mostert, who everybody went out and got and was all excited about, I have comfortable Mostert sitting in this wonderful offense. Well, they went out and got um, Wilson on that trade, um, and now they're splitting. They were, they're going halvesies. Um, pick your poison and just let Jesus take the wheel because this is going to be another situation you're not going to want to get any part of. You should have known this. Shame on you. This is another Kyle Shanahan offense. They don't believe in starting quarterbacks unless you trade three first round picks or whatever the hell that was to get CMC. Uh, Tyreek on pace for 
most yards in a season record held by Calvin Johnson. And looks like he's going to shatter it because who is going to stop this offense right now? Absolutely nobody. Um, Tyreek, right now, currently number one uh, wide receiver in fantasy. Um, when he gets his touchdowns, it's not even close. And he's doing all of this with barely any touchdowns. Um, quick little, um, just, just tapping myself on the back. Uh, my QB one on the season, my running back one on the season, my wide receiver one on the season, and my tight end one on the season are all currently uh, number one. No, three of those aren't even that hard to figure out, but the um, Eckler situation makes that um, come true. Um, on the other end, where people did not really think about this player that much going into the season, kind of fell a little bit lower because of the whole tour situation and everything. Waddle went five for 85 with a touchdown, 17 points uh, on a bad day. You would call this a bad day for Waddle. And, um, you know, we were wondering if the rain situation was going to be a big factor or anything. It wasn't too convincing to alter the uh, game plan. And Waddle ended up having a successful day, even with just five catches this game. Uh, on the bear side, oh my God, what is going on with this fields thing? So there's like just he probably took some steroids or um, did something, went, had another round of ayahuasca. Maybe it was DMT straight or something. I don't know what it was, but this guy is playing lights out right now with four total touchdowns. And you would think four total touchdowns is just running all over the field, right? Well, yes, but also no, because three of these touchdowns were passing touchdowns. He officially broke the rushing yards in a single game record. Um, that's just what, like what? Seriously, where is this coming from? Um, so it's time to finally utilize them. Show it with your uh, preseason pick. Uh, it looks like absolute dog shit the first couple of weeks, and now it's coming out to be like the most solid pick of the season. Um, and I, I don't see why any way this is not going to continue. There was only one way to use fields, and that was with him running the ball. Like You're not going to put him in the pocket with this shitty offensive line and expect him to throw dots. This is not going to happen. They finally figured it out, found a way to – uh, let them run around, and they are now reaping some benefits of that. They're not showing up on the wins and losses column, but at least there's something to look forward to in Chicago. From a running back perspective, Monty, five points. Herb, uh, 2.3 points. I don't want any part of this. I'm holding on to both of them, just hoping one of them goes down. Sad to say, but that's the reality of fantasy football. Early down is when Monty's used, um, and even in two-minute drills early on in the season, Monty was being used, but now – Herb, for the last three games, has been taking the two-minute uh, drill uh, situations. So take that how you want it. Bad games where you think they're going to lose, you might want to just risk it and go with the catches Herb provides in the two-minute situation, which he hasn't really been providing. So I don't know what to do here. Risky start uh, with Fields dominating the run game now. This run game has come secondary. This whole uh, run first team with the only people startable are the two running backs or the one running back has now come second fiddle to the starting quarterback. Um yeah, so that's just a lot of a lot of um, a lot of situations that we did not see uh, folding this way in this game. Uh, Dolphins have solidified themselves as one of the best teams teams in the league, and the Bears seem like a threat to not be taken too lightly in games. Yeah, absolutely. And Fields has a favorable mat favorable matchup next week against the Lions, so I expect more Fields. He's probably the only surefire guy um, on that team right now. Next up, we've got the Carolina Panthers at Cincinnati facing the Bengals. Cincinnati was favored by seven points, and the final score was 21 to 42. And uh, the 21 points kind of surprises me from the Panthers side because this was all Bengals from the start of the game. Uh, Joe Mixon, man, that guy had four total touchdowns last game. And uh, not only was he doing, uh, you know, damage five. in five, sorry, five total touchdowns. <laughs> 
four rushing touchdown and one passing touchdown. So not only was he doing damage in the rushing game, but also passing and getting catches and probably stole Tyler Boyd's uh, catch touchdown catch there just because of that challenge play. And gets yep. the next play. That, was, that was the difference in my matchup, but no big deal. Yeah, right after the challenge, uh, Mixon gets a, gets a touchdown. Just when he thought he couldn't do anymore, he, he, he comes in. You know, this is the type of game where Joe Burrow does everything in the first half and then kind of just relaxes after the third quarter, uh, which is funny because Joe Mixon was still in the game when that happened. Um, if you have T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd, um, you know, the good thing about all of this is that you don't have to decide who you're going to start next week because they are in a bye week. But T. Higgins, seven receptions, 60 yards. I think he was utilized well, uh, despite Joe Mixon going off. And then Tyler Boyd, five for 44. I guess that's kind of like pick your poison. Which one is the guy going to have? Which, which receiver is going to have more catches? It's going to be either Higgins or Boyd and just kind of varies. Um, but yeah, I mean, on the Panthers side, uh, you expected to see a little bit more of Foreman, which you didn't because of the negative game script. Uh, Blackshare gets into the touchdown, gets a touchdown um, late in the game. And then Baker Mayfield comes in, uh, you know, PJ Walker gets to the bench. Nothing fantasy wise that you look at there. One guy I do want to highlight is Terrence, Terrence Marshall Jr. Uh, from a receiving standpoint. This is a guy that um, you might want to consider going out and grabbing uh, the number two to DJ Moore. And uh, if DJ Moore is covered and, uh, you know, they, they just need to, they, if they have a ne- negative game script and they're going to have to throw the ball often, then Terrence Marshall Jr. is not a bad flex start on your team. Um, but yeah, I mean, Bengals, just a better team here. Lights out, mixing five touchdowns. There's really not much to say besides that here. Um, one, one thing uh, to add, um, I wouldn't start anybody on the Panthers, honestly, if uh, unless until this quarterback situation gets played out. Foreman, I think, would be like the, the easier, like here, if I had to start somebody, here's somebody. Um, but we have been told that I think P.J. Walker is playing on Thursday over all the other quarterbacks. So that gives you a little bit more uh, lean towards the traditional offense that has been going on over the last couple of days rather than what we saw uh, with Baker Mayfield and those two touchdown passes. Um, so, yeah, don't, don't expect Baker Mayfield to be out there. It's going to be P.J. Walker back out there on Thursday, tomorrow. Yeah. And I wonder if Chuba Hubbard is coming back too. I don't. He I is. Come back he is. Too, right? He is coming back, but um, I, I don't know. I, I still think they're going to go Foreman as a first guy and Hubbard as a third down back. Um, and you know, it's who, who are they playing again? They're playing uh, the Falcons. Um, they're playing the Falcons on a short week. Hubbard said he was going to play, but he's the player saying he's going to play. So chances are, there's really the Panthers have nothing to gain or lose really from throwing Chuba out there when he's been the inferior back to the healthy foreman. So, yeah, I mean, I think if you're, like you said, showed, if you're needing to start somebody for sure, uh, uh, foreman's definitely the safer play. Uh, and then the last thing on Terrence Marshall, he was the wide receiver three on that LSU team, a la Justin Jefferson and Jamar chase. So, uh, mm-hmm. he was the number three guy on that receiving core. Take that for what you will. He wasn't as good, obviously. That takes us to a divisional matchup that Aaron Rodgers is notorious for owning. The Packers were at Detroit playing the Bears. Aaron Rodgers, probably the best option you have this week as a streamable quarterback, right? Nope, absolutely wrong. Rodgers has one of the worst performances I've ever seen him uh, have as a quarterback. Lions win this game as three and a half point dogs at home, 15 to nine final under 49 and a half was absolutely the play. Green Bay is now three and six. Detroit's two and six. I mean, uh, this is 
absolutely the worst I've ever seen the Green Bay Packers in my lifetime while Rodgers and Favre have been healthy. Obviously, the years that they've been hurt and they've had backup quarterbacks, those don't really count. But in terms of like having your Hall of Fame quarterback at the helm and still playing like crap, I mean, Jared Goff outplayed you, Aaron Rodgers. So uh, I, th- I think that that really is the, the story. And the two interceptions that Rodgers had, I mean, those were – I'm not going to lie. Those were kind of Zach Wilson-esque. I mean, that's two of the worst. Like the, the pass back to Bakhtiari was, you know, a really bad pass, a really, really underthrown bad pass. And then the first pass, I mean, yeah, it was tipped at the line, but you're you're in the end zone and you're trying to throw a slant and you're not putting anything over the top. So honestly, both of those to me are Rodgers' fault. So he has no one to blame in this loss but himself. Green Bay's defense did fine. Detroit only scored 15 points and, and Rodgers failed uh, to get in the end zone from first and goal twice. So uh, I think this is probably the low point of his career. I don't really know where the Packers grow, go from here. I mean, Aaron Jones got hurt. Dylan saw some action, 11 carries, 34 yards, two catches, 10 yards. Uh, Alan Lazard was kind of the only bright spot, four catches, 87 yards, and a touchdown on 10 targets. So uh, he is getting the bulk. Uh, but Green Bay as a whole, uh, receiving core is looking lackluster. Uh, Romeo Dobbs was in a walking boot. Christian Watson can't understand the playbook. Aaron Jones was in a walking boot. Uh, so I don't really know where you look if you're a fantasy owner in terms of Green Bay's offense right now and starting anybody. Uh, on the Detroit side, uh, I don't know what's going to happen with DeAndre Swift, but every week he seems like he doesn't play as much as fantasy owners would like. Jamal Williams had 24 carries, 81 yards. Uh, we talked about Hawkinson getting traded, so Amonre St. Brown should step up. He led the team in targets nine total, twice as much as the next guy, or a little more than that with four, but he only had four catches, 55 yards. So uh, not the best day, but again, offenses were lacking in this game. Green Bay is in shambles. As a Vikings fan, I love to see that. Uh, I don't know what the future holds for Aaron Rodgers as of this moment. Speaking of not sure where the future holds, we're going to talk about a Colts team, which I don't want to talk about, but someone's got to talk about them. Visiting the Patriots, um, New England was favored five and a half. Um, the under hit at 40.5. The final score is three to 26. Patriots took care of business. Like you know, I told you to do. The Patriots defense just manhandled this Ellinger fella who got sacked nine times. Just nine times. When was the last time you saw nine sacks in a game? That's crazy. There was nothing he could do. He had some um, some plays where he kind of got out of the pocket and created some space for himself. He ran for, like, I think 30 yards or 40 yards, something like that. But that man was just, just running for his life. At this point, this game was basically New England's defense versus New England's offense to see who could have a better game. Uh, all the running backs struggled for Indianapolis. Um, Deion Jackson had, I think, 11 rushes for 23 yards, which is a little promising, uh, seeing how he came from, you know, he had that injury last week and uh, really screwed up my matchup last week with that injury. And this week, um, I was, wasn't was sure if he was going to get that start or not. Um, and he ended up getting 11 rushes for 23 yards. So that kind of um, the it's all about volume, right? So the volume was there versus one carry, I think, for – Lindsay and like one other touch for the other guy. So um, as far as if Taylor is not playing next week, I think I'm still pretty comfortable throwing Deion Jackson out there if he's playing. Um, receiving core, oh my God. Okay, again, this is nothing to, against Pittman or Campbell or Pierce. They look like very good wide receivers and they're, I'm sure they're really nice fellas. But from a fantasy perspective, I want nothing to do with this right now. 3.7 points for Pittman, um, you know, I would not start with this with confidence until this Ellinger fella figures out his game. Um, and I'm not sure he's going to. It didn't, after a game like that, where you're just getting murdered back there, um, it's really, it's, you know, 
it's it's hard to bank on him to make a huge comeback. However, he is playing against uh, is it uh, it's some really bad team. I think it's like oh, it's Raiders. Um, I mean, what what better team to like have a bounce back game against the worst secondary in football? Um, so maybe you know, twelve team league, fourteen team league. You may be looking at starting Ellinger there. Um, so on the other end, on the Patriots end, offensive end, um, Stevenson is really the only thing I'm going to mention even worth uh, talking about. Stevenson with 14.5 fantasy points on a bad day. This is when he had 15 rushes for 60 yards and three receptions um, for, uh, sorry, three out of seven um, uh, catches for 10 yards on, uh, but he did end up getting that touchdown, which salvaged his day. So, you know, the floor, with, 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 uh, with no matter touches like this, your floor is always going to be nice. And that's something what you want in a starting running back uh, versus players that we mentioned earlier, like Montgomery and all these guys were, you don't have that floor. You have to always try to go for the ceiling every game, like that 12-point ceiling, 13-point ceiling, whatever it is. Players like Stevenson with a nice floor sitting at 15 is super nice. And these are the kind of players you should probably try and have on your team before it's too late. Um, again, like I said, Stevenson's the only player worth mentioning. I know Jacoby Myers has been top of the town for the last month and a half or whatever. I'm not starting somebody like this on an offense who doesn't have a reliable um, you know, game script for passing. They're going to run till they can't run no more if it favors them, and they're only going to pass if it's a, a game where they're probably going to lose. So just make sure you know that before you start players like Jacob, um, Jacoby Myers, because if they're facing any shitty teams – there's really no point starting him. Uh, he did kind of salvage his day a little bit, five for six for 42 yards. But this late into the season, you need way more stability at wide receiver. And there are plenty of options out there, including players like Michael Hardman, who are just finding ways to get into the end zone. So this whole Jacoby Myers thing, um, if he if he booms, that's cool. Nice for the people that start him. But there's a lot more bust potential. And like I said, this late into the season, I want no part of that. Nice. That takes us to the AFC East matchup. The Bills six and one at the Jets five and three, and the final score was seventeen twenty. Jets win. What? Like how? It it's crazy to me to think that the Jets were able to win this game, and uh, all it all came down to their running game. And uh, Shishot, you talked about him last week. Michael Carter. Uh, he had twelve carries on seventy six uh, with seventy six yards and and a touchdown. And really late in that court in that fourth quarter, when it was 17, uh, 17, they had to put a score up to win the game. All they did was run like play after play. And the bills who struggled against a run with the Packers last week um, struggled this week against the jets. And it's not like uh, Zach Wilson played the, that well. I mean, he had a decent stat line, 18 for 25, 154 yards, only one touchdown, but uh, nonetheless, it was just a running game. And then their defense, man, Sauce Gardner coming up with uh, big-time interceptions, coming up with uh, stops on Gabe Davis, who d- is that that boom and bust guy, right? Like, one day he's going to have, like, two touchdowns. The next day he's going to have, like, two catches for uh, 30, 24 yards or something like that. Um, but uh, all in all, uh, a fantasy guy that you want to look at here is going to be Garrett Wilson, eight receptions for 92 yards. That Wilson to Wilson connection is uh, is something to um, be excited about. Uh, Garrett Wilson seems like a, a, a solid start on, on this team. Um, and then, like I mentioned, Michael Carter. Yeah, definitely someone you want to start. Uh, Josh Allen, man, this he, he had no touchdowns this game. Uh, sorry, he had two rushing touchdowns, but through no touchdowns and two, <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, Josh Allen had the two rushing touchdowns, uh, and then he threw two picks. So 
timely mistakes by Josh Allen that is causing them to lose these games. Um, not very Bills, uh, Bills characteristically like. Uh, I don't know if that's a word, but uh, nonetheless, like these are going to be the reasons that you lose game and lose games against the against the Jets. Um, so, yeah, Jets come out strong uh, with their rushing attack and end up winning this game. Yeah, don't forget Josh Allen's got the injury now too, some sort of a possible UCL injury, which could be the same injury that he dealt with that he that he missed four games. I know it's most common in baseball where you know you're out for the whole year, but I think it's a little bit different in football. So they're saying it could be something that's day to day. It could be something where he's out for weeks, or it could be something where he's basically out for eight weeks. So they basically they're telling us nothing is is what's going on. They want to leave all possibilities on the table. Um, but I mean, obviously he's literally their entire offense. So without Josh Allen, that Buffalo team that is destined for a possible Super Bowl does not look the same. Yeah, that, that's a mid team at best without Josh Allen. I'm not afraid of that team at all without Josh Allen. Yeah. They, they would need another Minneapolis miracle-esque type quarterback uh, to be able to recreate that <laughs> magical season. Luckily, their backup quarterback is the guy who created the Minneapolis miracle. So yeah, he, he did it right there behind you, too. Yeah, he did right there. there <laughs> some, somewhere over there. Um, but no, I mean, I, I think as Vikings fans, knowing we play Buffalo next week, we want them at their best because nobody takes the Vikings seriously right now, despite being seven and one. So uh, even for the sport of football as a whole, we want to see Josh Allen on the field. So let's hope uh, it is a minor injury for him. Speaking of the Minnesota Vikings, they were in Washington this weekend, as was I. Vikings taking on the Commanders as three-point road favorites. Game line pushes 20 to 17 final. 20 to 17 was a final score, I think, four or five games this week. So a lot of 20 to 17 finals this week. Uh cover uh Vikings push the spread under 43 and a half catches. Minnesota now seven and one. The commanders dropped to four and five. One story and one story only here, guys. Kirk Co chains revenge game in Washington. The don't forget, the don't forget it was uh Taylor Heineke revenge game too. It was. It was Taylor Heineke revenge game as well. Taylor Heineke really, really thought he was going to get some purple and yellow Jordans by like the third quarter, maybe even the fourth quarter when they were up 10. But Heineke, Mr. Fourth Quarter himself, Kirk Cousins said, absolutely not. Played probably one of the best games as a quarterback uh, for the Vikings that I have seen just from a standpoint of this game had a lot of storylines. So this game had a lot of opportunities where we could be destined to fail, right? We're on a win streak. We have Buffalo next week. So this is an easy trap game where you can overlook the Washington commanders. Uh, obviously, Kirk's coming back to Washington where he has a lot of history. So the storylines were there. And when push came to shove, Kirk leading this team in the fourth quarter to a comeback in uh, a game-winning drive, 265 yards through the air, two touchdowns, one interception, which that is an interception that I will live with 10 times out of 10. That is exactly what I want to see from Kirk. Uh, running game, not as ideal as a team. They ran it 22 times for 56 yards. Cook, 17 for 47. Did have the game-winning touchdown, though, two catches, nine yards. We've been expecting and wanting to see more of Cook through the air as the season be, uh, progressed, and kind of we kind of predicted it as the season was going to begin just from some practice uh, highlights and stuff, but it hasn't really happened as much as we'd like. Um, and then obviously JJ does this thing seven for one fifteen and a touchdown, still some opportunities for JJ to get better. In my opinion, uh, they love throwing him those jump balls. So I think the expectation is when they throw it up to you, you are expected to come down with that more times than not. So, uh, would like to see him come down with maybe one or two of those. And that would make this game not as close TJ Hawkinson. I mean, I have not seen a guy fit more perfectly in an offense or into a team than this guy is fitting in with the Vikings right now. He is basically taking care of everything over the middle nine catches, 70 yards to the people saying, Oh, don't 
don't start him this week because you don't know how much run he's going to get. Uh, I think it was clear as day when they went out and got this guy that he was going to be expected to be a focal point of this offense. So nine catches, 70 yards from your tight end is fantastic. Adam Thielen, three for, 20, three for 67. So uh, still doing things uh, timely, but not the same player that he once was. Uh, I mean, this game should not have been as close as it was, guys. The commanders got a lot of help from the refs. I mean, literally, the ref tackled our safety, <laughs> who was sitting back there for a punt return type interception, and they caught a touchdown. So, um, you know, it was really funny because I was at a I was at a bar, and it was in Washington. A lot of Washington fans, and um, I don't know, there was just a lot of back and forth going on. You know, just passive aggressive shit. Every time the Vikings were doing something, I was being passive aggressive as hell. And this guy next to me, uh, he was wearing basically this exact same shirt that I was wearing. This shirt, but it was Terry. McC- corn so it was really funny because we were wearing uh you know we had similar kind of thought processes and then the um, the guy on the other end was bitching at me whenever the vikings were being really conservative down the stretch and playing for the field goal uh but you know it was all just really salty salty washington fans but the vikings take care of business again there were a lot of opportunities here for the vikings to lose but they did just enough um and i think on the commander side there's really not a lot of uh, a lot of consistent fantasy production. Gibson seems like the guy that at least is going to offer some upside if you're really, really desperate. Terry McLaurin, I will say, obviously his name has to get mentioned on weeks where Taylor Heineke starts because he at least loves to throw him the football. But Curtis Samuel would have had a horrible day if, if again, the ref didn't help him by tackling one of the defenders. So he had three catches, 65 yards and a touchdown. Uh, again, Minnesota, seven and one. Uh, this is one of those years, man. It, it, th- these wins are ugly. They're not pretty. We still think the best is ahead of us and we're seven and one. So um, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but sometimes, you know, all the breaks that don't go the Vikings way in the history of Minnesota seem like they're going the Vikings way this year. So I know it's still eight weeks again a whole rest of the season is left so we could lose out and miss the playoffs. So anything can happen, but sitting here at seven and one, nine weeks in, um, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty, pretty good. Yeah, I just want to add a couple things. Just a couple things. This uh, running, running needs to be better. We cannot, we cannot do this. We cannot survive with a random Dalvin Cook 50 yards touchdown to win the game, and we cannot survive on a on a dot to ran, the Dalvin Cook in the back of the end zone to win this game. Right? We need to establish the run first of all. Number two, you know this this whole week, this whole Kirk Cousins chains thing on the jet thing. It reminds me of. Spider-Man, the first Spider-Man when Tobey Maguire finds out he's jacked. Like, that's where we are. In the, in the movie, in the storyline of things, we're right here when Kirk Cousins finds out he's jacked and he's looking at his arms and going, and flying across, loving everything. So just want to temper expectations, right? Like, uh, the, the thing about a quarterback that you want on your team is not somebody that does that to prove something to other people. The people around him are the ones hyping him up. Like, if you just look around the locker room and, like, you know, you saw KOC pass the ball out. He passed the ball out to, you know, uh, Harrison Smith. He passed the ball out to uh, Daniel Hunter. He passed the ball to Justin Jefferson, to Adam Thielen. And then the last ball, he said, we could not have done any of this. The season would not be like this if it wasn't for our quarterback. And then the whole crowd goes wild. The team goes wild. So that's something nice to see is that, you know, Clark was doing some of this stuff last year too. But, you know, the, the come from behind things are nothing new, but the team would find a way to lose. Dalvin Cook would fumble. This would happen. Defense would allow this, but none of those things are happening. So the the, 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 the whole Cook thing kind of sticks out a little bit more than it would have last year um, because all the things were going bad. So I think everything is going fine. I think that we need to find a way to run the ball because we're just like, we lost that identity for some reason and we're just finding ways to win. But that is not possible because of what you mentioned, Sweetheart, earlier about the uh, Bulls. 
the only way to really beat them is to run the ball. Like that's what the you know Packers got even remotely close by doing that. The only way to even budge on that defense is running the ball, and we have not been doing that well the last couple of days. So it really, really worries me. Need a way to figure that out ASAP. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, again, it, it's it, it's it's the kind of the tale of two years, right? Uh, Kirk last year. I don't think Kirk's thrown for 300 yards in a game this year. And I feel like all the wins we had, Kirk would have like 330 yards and three touchdowns and be like, okay, you know, that that's just a classic Kirk game. But this year, statistically, he's playing his worst, but the team is playing their best, which means when it matters most, he is stepping up again. I think KOC has given him the confidence to be like, if you throw an interception, it does not fucking matter, bro, because you're going to get the ball back. And I think last year, if you throw an interception, he'd have to walk to the sidelines and Mike Zimmer would basically be like, I'm coming for your head. And nobody wants to work in an environment where you're not allowed to make mistakes and learn and grow and get better. And I think just creating that environment has allowed Kirk this quirky random guy to maximize his, his, his uh, personality and everybody's embracing that. And this is the difference. This is the time of type of culture that we want to establish that empowers all these players to be the best versions of themselves. And it's okay to make mistakes. And I think that's what we're seeing. Uh, It sounds super wishy-washy and corny, but this is the epitome of the difference in last year's team and this year's team. So great to see seven and one uh, tough, tough test at Buffalo coming up this week. I just wonder how long was that flight from Washington to uh, to Minnesota? Because like, do, are they cheering the whole time? Like, how long? Afterwards, doesn't put a shirt back on. <laughs> yeah, it's like the videos are on. He's like, and then all of a sudden, the, the, the like cuts out the videos. Like, all right, dude, take that shit off. All right, and he's like putting my shirt on. He's like, all right, man, now I got to go read my book. So it's like, oh, I, I don't know, yeah. but. But all of that camaraderie, all of that crap that we get to now see, there's personality in this team, whereas they were like drier than fucking, I don't know, what's something that's really dry? Arizona desert last year. Like that's how dry this team's personality was with Mike Zimmer. So uh, super excited to see. Oh, last thing to add, uh, Rena, she doesn't, she doesn't cuss. Like she doesn't like when people cuss, she doesn't like to cuss. And she saw a video of Kirk Cousins on Instagram. It popped up. And he's like, it had a reel of all of his cuss words. And it was like, dang it, golly, Josh, golly. And she's like, I love this guy. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's awesome. All right. Uh, jumping off of that hype train, I got to lower my blood pressure back down because I got to talk about the Raiders who freaking suck. Raiders went to go visit the Jaguars who also suck. So, you know, it, I didn't expect much. I just expected some points for my fantasy superstar. Um, got just that with Adams. Um, however, nothing else happened outside of Adams. Adams had 17 targets, right? That's that's a large number. I think that's like, I think the other person that had that amount of that, um, that amount of targets this week was Travis Kelsey with 17 as well. Uh, he ended up with 10 receptions. However, I think that all 10 or nine of those were in the first half, right? So they're doing great. They're, they're capitalizing off of broken plays. They receive the defender falls. He gets that easy touchdown. And then nothing in the second half. The Raiders just went back down the Raider land and just absolutely nothing. The whole team falls asleep. They can't establish the run. Jacobs went 17 for 67. He had three catches for 29, 20 yards, which I think gives him more like 9.5 fantasy points or something like that. Um, but, you know, from Jacobs' standpoint, if this is the worst game you're going to get, which is probably going to be one of the worst games Jacobs going to perform, then you're, you're okay with this. You know, the ceiling has been high. He's getting 30 points plus. And if your lowest floor is at nine and a half, then you, you got to be okay with this. Um, not okay, but, you know, it's not the end of the day. Um, the the bright the lights are still bright for Jacobs. Um, Carr, 18.36 fantasy points. Again, salvaged off of that one play, that which we all know what we're talking uh, which play I'm talking about. 
But again, it was against Jacksonville. It was supposed to be a game where you kind of like prove yourself, like tell the rest of the world you can be three and five and have a chance. Instead, they're two and six now. And, um, you know, just nothing exciting. David Carr has, uh, Derek Carr has basically become David Carr. And um, he just, it's just nothing, nothing interesting here. Nothing to see. There's plenty of elections. This whole Hunter Renfro thing is still there. You know, like uh, Darren Waller has been absent, but does he even play anymore? Nobody knows. He's got the weapons he needs. He's got the running back to provide the play action abilities. It's just not there. He just kind of sucks now. He's become, he, he's lowering down on the, on the tiers and he's kind of surpassing some, some players who were like, you know, like Garoppolo is well under Carr in, in talks of like some of the best quarterbacks in the league. And Garoppolo has surpassed Carr now. And, you know, Carr needs to really, really figure it out. I just don't know if he's going to. Um, the best player in the Raiders by far this year has been Daniel Carlson with just a consistent amount of fantasy points. I think he's number two kicker in the league right now at this point. Uh, eight points is probably one of the worst he's done all year. So hats off to that guy. Former Viking did not play like this with the Vikings. Uh, from the Jaguars' perspective, Lawrence doing typical Lawrence things, 16.7 fantasy points, mainly because of the 53 yards rushing he had on six rushes. He threw pretty efficiently, 25 for 31. He only had one touchdown and uh, threw for 235 yards. But again, when the Raiders are playing this bad, he doesn't really need to throw for a crazy amount or go deep very often. Kirk, solid um, uh, floor with um, nine targets towards his way. He caught eight of them, 76 yards for a touchdown late in the game. Travis Etienne, man, like we were talking about how awesome this guy is and how Robinson was taking some of his targets and, you know, Robinson's RB1 there in the first half of the season, but this was bound to happen. This guy is magical. And when you're giving players like this 28 rushes, are you kidding me for 109 yards, um, two touchdowns, uh, two catches on two targets for 17 yards? I mean, these are league winning type of plays. One guy in my league has Etienne and he has Kenneth Walker and he went from being ninth place to like, he just is not going to lose ever again. Um, Evan Ingram, you know, this is what you get with the tight end spot. Just you're just gonna have to kind of guess what happens here on out. Ingram, he got hurt. Uh, he got hurt. I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay, okay. So that makes a lot more sense. Um, early in the game, I'm assuming, because he only yeah. had one reception on two targets. But yeah, he just he hovers around that six point mark. So if you're nice, if you like that nice floor, what was the injury? Like I'd have to double check. Yeah, okay. some something something minor, but he didn't play. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. So that, that explains that. Cause that's why he didn't get the six points. Um, but yeah, so that's all <laughs> we really have. That's all we really have for this game. Uh, anything else I'm missing from these two really lackluster teams? No, man. Raiders just keep shit in the bed. They, they put up points They're in the so first bad. half and then the second half just uh, <laughs> let the def- uh, the offense just, uh, you know, put points on them. It's, it's pretty sad. I want to open the floor and forum to any Raiders fans that would love to come on this podcast and explain to us how the Raiders can look like for the first six minutes of the game, Devontae Adams already had 20 fantasy points. Like they looked absolutely unstoppable. And then for the entire second half, they look like they don't know how to play football all last game. It took four quarters for them to get the ball past midfield, which you said they did with their backup quarter. What is going on? Like some, like, like how did Hunter Renfro go from catching a hundred balls last year to like non-existent this year? He's healthy. So like, is it Josh McDaniel? Is he, is the offense? Yeah, it, it is. It is absolutely garbage. Dude, you can only blame offensive. Like I, I'm a big offensive line person, right? You guys all know that, but there's only like, you have to adjust. It's been so many weeks. If your offensive line is weak, then throw the ball faster. Throw yeah. some slants to get some drag routes going. They're, it's not the offensive line at this point. They're bad. They're, don't don't get me wrong. The offensive line is bad, but you have to adjust. You have to find, like, change it up, and they're not. They're just sticking with the same game script, 
The defense figures it out at halftime every single game, and they just lose all of these games. Yeah. I mean, and I and Josh, you can – go ahead. No, I mean, I think Josh McDaniels just came in with the team that he had, and, like, you know, they got Devontae Adams. They haven't made that many changes in, in the offseason as well either. Like, you look at the guy from um, the Dolphins and all these trades that they made. You know, I think the Raiders need another year to kind of start over and, and figure out what they really need on offense to because it looks like Josh McDaniels likes to run the ball. So he want, he want they need a better uh, guards to be able to establish that run and then um, – complimented with the passing game and it also doesn't help when your pass defense is 32nd you know like but but the thing is they're holding the teams to 27 fantasy or points you know like not every team is scoring in the 40s and the 30s like games like this where you're playing the jaguars when you're even if the defense allows 27 points you gotta win this game and it, yeah and like you said sometimes sometimes the best offense is actually a really bad defense not from a winning the game standpoint but from a fantasy production standpoint right look at the dolphins they score a shit ton of points but why do they keep having to score because their defense sucks dick so two is going to throw for 300 yards because they're going to keep giving up touchdowns they can stop anybody on on the bears and similar here right they start off incredibly hot they take their foot off the gas the jags come back to come back in this game because the raiders defense can't hold them you would think them getting more opportunities is more chances to like get better to change something to get additional practice to figure something out but they can't and again here we are spinning our wheels and our brains around why the raiders are who the raiders are um i don't even know a single diehard raiders fan so if either of you guys does if there's anybody that listens to this that's like i'm a diehard raiders fan i'd love to come talk about why the raiders are a shit show and make me want to blow my brains out by all means get on this podcast because i'd love to listen to a raiders fan that could be fun i'd enjoy that Next up, we have, Shishot, you mentioned the Battle of the Birds last week, the Seahawks at Arizona, the driest place on the earth. In America. <laughs> Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Cardinals were favored by two points, but the final score was 31 to 21 Seahawks here. And it was really all Seahawks. The Cardinals had no answer for Kenneth Walker, uh, who ran all over the um, Cardinals. And, uh, you know, it's getting to a point where this offense, you know, with with DeAndre Hopkins back, why are they not targeting Hopkins as much? Uh, Hopkins had uh, four targets, does get a touchdown, but it just seems like uh, it was, you know, Zach Ertz got more targets than uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and, and so did Rondell Moore. I think that is a problem and not a recipe for success uh, on the Cardinals side. Um, real quick on that, I think it's it's got a lot to do with the stud on the other side that we talked about last week. Um, the cornerback, I can't even, Tari- I don't even Tari- know. Tariq Wollin. Tariq Wollin, he's, he's an absolute stud. The rookie. Um, the, the rookie. The problem is on, a, on some of those plays, he wasn't even guarding Hopkins. So yeah, your, your, your point still stands. However, I think that that's played a big role in mm-hmm. the big overall um, scheme of this offense. He, he's a shutdown cornerback. And that man, that guy's so good. Yeah, I mean, so on the Cardinal side, like every the yards per uh, attempt was five yards per uh, attempt for uh, Kyler Murray. So they're not getting the ball downfield. You know, they're really just doing the short game and it's becoming predictable. And so uh, I'm sure many of Cardinals fans and even the front office are trying to figure out if Cliff Kiff. Cliff Kingsbury is the answer, and he may get the boot at the end of the season with the way that the Cardinals are playing. And the and Kyler Murray is kind of playing the way that they were afraid that he was going to play, right? Why give him the paycheck when you're not sure if Kyler Murray is the answer? And it's like, it's really not working out for him. And hence, the 0-2 since Call of Duty came out. Whether or not that relates, I mean, I don't I don't know. Uh, but more likely... Numbers yeah. don't lie. Numbers don't lie. Hey, no, numbers, numbers don't lie. 
And on the Seahawks side, everything going really well for them. And Geno Smith, you mentioned, is a must start. He finds ways to evade the pocket too, right? Like they're they're putting out guys out there trying to sack this guy. He finds a way to evade and then has great, great targets in Tyler Lockett, who got a touchdown this week, and uh, DK Metcalf, both with touchdowns. Both are guys you have to start in this explosive Seahawks offense. I didn't. I can't believe I'm saying that uh, in week nine, but that's that's the the landscape of things right now. Um, but yeah, Cardinals in a disarray, they need to get things figured out. Uh, everything going well for the Seahawks, uh, offensive line, um, defense as well. Uh, one silver lining for the Cardinals is they did come up with a defensive touchdown, but when you only score in the first quarter and then you score garbage points in the fourth quarter, you're just not going to win the game and Seahawks come out on top in this game. I like that. No, go ahead. No, go mine's on. kind of off topic. Okay. Um, I was going to say the point you're bringing up is exactly, I think what the issue is. They had nobody to beat them over the top. I think that's why whenever uh, Hollywood Brown went down, they got tried to get Robbie Anderson because that's all Robbie Anderson knows how to do is run go routes. Right. But for whatever reason, that's not working. Or I don't even feel like they've really targeted him deep enough to, they, they, they gave him enough targets. He's already dropped two passes like wide open. So it's like, how much more can you like, you know, he sucks. He kind of sucks. So they basically just replaced uh, Hollywood Brown with the shittier Hollywood Brown, even though <laughs> I shouldn't call Hollywood Brown shitty this year because he's been really good and he did yeah. drop passes. But um, I think that's the problem, right? You have Ertz as a tight end covering the middle. You have Hopkins as the number one guy. A lot of times you still need the one guy that's going to be the speed threat or the burner. And I think uh, drawing a comparison, it's how I feel about the Vikings offense right now too. There's still like one little notch left to unlock. Jefferson's your Hopkins. You have Hawkinson as your Ertz. Uh, Rondell Moore is like the guy that, you know, can catch all the underneath stuff, get the first round, quick three three yards turn around. That, that's what Thielen can be, even though he's a lot older. But there's not one guy that's like, I'm 98 speed. So if I do nothing well, at least I can just run straight really fast. And the safeties have to account for that. And I think that's the problem uh, with the Cardinals right now. They're just becoming too predictable. But if you're going to keep losing, go down losing, targeting Hopkins 20 times. Like if you throw picks, you throw picks, right? Like you're at least throwing the ball to your best football player. So um, again, a- another anomaly, the Arizona Cardinals. I think this is more easy to figure out. I think it is Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury uh, paired with Kyler Murray, paired with just uh, a bunch of chaos. So um, I'm surprised. I'd be surprised, but not not surprised if they kept him till the end of the year. I think he should already be fired. Um, but you know, regardless of how the rest of this season turns out, I think Cliff Kingsbury has gone at the end of the year as well. Yeah. And then from a standpoint, oh, sorry, you were going to say something. Go ahead. No, 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 no. It's still off topic. (laughs) It it hasn't become more on topic since I started. It's become more off topic. Uh, from a fantasy standpoint, you're still starting Rondell Moore. You're still yep. starting Zach Ertz, uh, yep. DeAndre Hopkins, obviously, Kyler Murray. James Conner versus Eno Benjamin. Eno Benjamin is probably going to be a second guy. James Conner, they're playing the Rams. So that's something that probably you need to figure out if you're going to start James Conner or not. And then on the Seahawks side, uh, Noah Fant went off, but that's not a guy that I'm starting every week either. I mean, that's a no. that's a toss-up. He's, he's a good player, but they're, again, having DK and Lockett and now Ken Walker just runs the ball like a monster. He there, There's targets are scarce for uh, the tight end position. Shusha, what were you going to say? Rank the birds from one to four. Rank Eagles. the best birds to the worst birds. What are, what are their Cardinals, Falcons, Eagles, and Ravens. Seahawks? Oh, and Ravens. Oh, it's five. Ravens. Oh, wow, there is five. <laughs> is there more? No. Okay, so those five, Eagles have to be one right now, obviously. I'd say the Cardinals are five, Ravens are two, uh, give me the Seahawks at three, and Falcons at four. Ooh. I am going to yeah. move the Seahawks to two, and I'm going to put the Ravens at three. Yeah. 
Uh, the Ravens are good. Don't get me wrong. They just got so much better after the uh, acquisition of uh, Robert, not Robert Quinn, but um, Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith, dude, that just changed he everything. Was everywhere on defense last time. The, the classic six-yard Camara runs turned into two-yard runs yeah. because he was just everywhere. Dude, his closing Crazy. speed looks unreal, and he's so yeah. good at he's so good at open field tackling. It's unbelievable. The problem with uh, Lamar Jackson, I feel like, and the reason he could beat the Ravens are three and not two is because he's like, he goes on the run and he starts becoming inaccurate. Like passes that he should be getting to, like passes that Josh Allen, that Patrick Mahomes hit, um, Lamar Jackson doesn't seem to hit them. So it makes sense to bring them down a little bit just because of that. Yeah, he has the natural inaccuracy that like a pocket quarterback does not have. Like the 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 I think you guys are thinking about the same one where he's running to the right and the guy is running wide open and he and it looks like on the replay when you see where yeah, he lets it go, likely. it looks like yeah, it looks like it's gonna be on time, but it's like behind the receiver, right? So you're like, yeah. wow, that's that's like something like a division two college quarterback kind of throw. But that's the kind of the that's like the one downside of Lamar Jackson is he's not just gonna have that crisp pristine pocket presence pocket passing in like dots and dimes but that that's that's kind of, again the the push comes to shove you get where he's going to make that play extendable and give an opportunity where a lot of quarterbacks won't but again i think for me the reason i have them still uh two over the falcons as three or sorry the seahawks at three is i'm still waiting for the shoe to drop for Gino. Again, it's halfway into the season. Like, I think I think this is a winnable, I think this is a uh, successful season now, no matter what happens, because they've already outperformed expectations. We talked about the Seahawks with like Drew Locke, possibly a quarterback, or Gino Smith as being like a top five draft pick uh, candidate team early into the season. And now they're five and three and they're winning their division, right? So I think no six, matter how, six, six and three, sorry, six and three, no matter how the rest of the season shakes up, in my opinion, this is a successful year because you got the most you can out of Gino Smith. Ken Walker looks like an absolute stud um and uh you still have Lockett and and Metcalf or is so I think the future is bright for them but I still think the Ravens being where they're at decimated absolutely decimated by injuries when they can get healthier the upside of Lamar is just so vast that he can change an entire game whereas Gino can play phenomenal like he's been I just don't know if he's a game-changing type quarterback which you know we'll find out they play the Buccaneers next week Oh, yeah, Tom Brady. Speaking of the Buccaneers, shove it. You did that on purpose. Perfect segue for me. Uh, Tampa Bay was hosting the Rams. Uh, battle of the last two Super Bowl winners, and both teams under 500. Rams came into this game uh, two and five. Tampa Bay three and five. Buccaneers at home, three point favorites. They cover, or actually, the spread pushes again. 16 13 final. They win this game under 42 caches. Tom Brady is now one and zero since his divorce. So uh, all of a sudden, I think uh, the Buccaneers are trending up. Uh, that last um, drive was pretty, pretty impressive. Uh, 36 of 58 for Tom Brady, 58 pass attempts at the age of 45. I wonder how his arm's feeling today. Uh, 280 yards and one touchdown through the air. Uh, the problem for the Buccaneers remains the same. What the fuck happened to Leonard Fournette after like the first three weeks? All of a sudden, he can't run the football. I think it is more so a predicament of the offensive line getting decimated. And so there is not a lot of running holes. Even when Rashad White comes in, he doesn't look very impressive, but he shows a little bit more burst than Fournette does. Uh, Fournette did end up catching five passes for 41 yards, despite only rushing nine times for 19 yards. So he kind of salvaged his day. Uh, Nine carries for him. Rashad White at eight carries. You look at the pass catchers, obviously, uh, Tom Brady threw the ball 58 times. So there were a lot of targets to go around. Kate Otten had a nice day, five catches, 68 yards, and found the end zone. Uh, I think, was was that the game-winning touchdown? Yeah, I believe that was the game-winning touchdown was to Kate Otten. Yeah, three or four of those catches were on the final drive. Yeah. So, I mean, there's two ways to look at that. 
salvage his fantasy day or when the game is on the line, why is Tom Brady throwing yeah, to I'm, a rookie? I'm going salvages. I'm going salvages. Because I'm when not the game is was on the line. The game is my seven. Mike Evans, but that was, so five, what three of those catches were on the final drive when they were losing, right? Yeah. When they were losing, when he had Mike Evans, Mike Evans dropping the easiest touchdown I've ever seen Mike Evans drop, by the way, unexcusable. You have Chris Godwin, you have even Julio Jones and somehow Kate out and get just three passes on that final drive, including the touchdown. Uh, I know I I agree with you. I think the, 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 the logical way to say that is he salvaged his day, but Tom Brady, I still think, is desperately trying to look for uh, guys that he trusts, right? I, even though Mike Evans dropped that, obviously he trusts Mike Evans. Obviously, he's, he still trusts Godwin. But outside of those two guys, they're still not a number three guy that he trusts. And Tom Brady loves his tight ends. So I think there is something to build upon here, being that Kate Otten has is there's a reason he was drafted where he was. There's a reason that even with Cameron Brake coming back, we know that the concussion stuff has been really scary for him. So I don't anticipate him being back and, and, and taking this role back over. Uh, I still think there's something to be said about Kate Auden. Um, but again, tight ends are scarce. So you're really rolling the dice, no matter who you play at that position, unless it's not Kelsey or Andrews, I guess on the Ram side. I mean, they can't do anything. They can't run the football 24 carries as a team for 68 yards. Uh, and Matthew Stafford looks bad. His offensive line looks bad, but what's crazy about this entire situation is it doesn't matter how bad the Rams are somehow Cooper cup still gets hundred yards and a touchdown. Like I just, I don't understand how the Rams could lose 65 to seven, that one, seven yard, seven point Cooper cup touchdown. Cooper cup will have at least eight catches and at least in a yards. So I've never seen something more surefire than Cooper Cup, even in the abysmal, abysmal Rams offense. Now the Rams are now three and five, Tampa Bay four and five. Again, Tom Brady one and oh since the divorce. So um, I don't know, man, if you need a storyline, that one is writing itself. Yeah. One thing I'll say is as a Leonard uh, Fournette, Lane Fournette owner, um, in those, in that when they were come trying to come back, uh, it wasn't Leonard Fournette in this in, at running back. It was Rashad White. Rashad so White. Yep. That says a lot to the trust that they have in Rashad White. And uh, as a Leonard For- Lenny Fournette uh, fantasy owner, I'm worried. I'm scared. Yeah, I mean, like, here's the thing, okay? Like, the both teams sucked. Both teams sucked ass all game long. All, every drive ended short. So there's a lot more opportunity to switch out players per drive. Like, and then Leonard Fournette was out there a lot. He was actually out there quite a bit. But that just means because of these three and outs, three and outs, three and outs, that just means if you're going to rotate her, you know, drive, it just means uh, White is going to show up on the field a lot more. And that's kind of what happened. Um, you know, it, like, like Sweetheart mentioned, White didn't do much better. He actually did worse. Eight rushes for 27 versus Lenny's. Actually, no, not worse. But, um, you know, it's, I, I'm not going to get deeper into this because Tom Brady, he's one of those players who just loves his guys. And he knows he chose Leonard Fournette for a reason. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard to see Tom Brady being one of those. Because, you know, at the end of the day, he's like the LeBron James of NFL where he's making decisions out there. No coach is going to be like, Tom Brady, um, I'm going to go ahead and take Leonard Fournette out. And put, like, it goes through Tom Brady first. So Tom Brady would have to approve that. And they're like best buds. Tom Brady literally called, you know, um, Leonard Fournette from getting signed in New England to come play here. And I don't think Leonard Fournette's really playing bad. If you just look at the offensive line, like you mentioned again, they're just playing bad overall. That's why Tom Brady's getting like 1.9 seconds of throw. That's why Godwin's getting like 13 targets a game, 12 targets a game. He's got to get rid of the ball as soon as he can. And uh, that, just a bad offensive line situation. There's three of the starters from last year are either hurt or not playing anymore or don't exist anymore, retired. It's just a whole different line. And as we can see, like when you have 
shitty situation like this, a good running back like Leonard Fournette, great wide receivers like the ones on the field, and Tom Brady can't even put up good fantasy numbers. So if you're going to worry, if, if your reason is um, Leonard Fournette is playing bad, so you should go get white, I'm not sure that's a logical reason, but if you're worried about Leonard Fournette's workload getting diminished and for that reason you want to get white, that that's a more logical um, reason. Yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense. Okay, I don't know what episode of Attack on Titan this was, but Patrick Mahomes went full on Aaron Yeager and just fucked shit up. This is one of the quickest uh, games I've ever watched as a guy that has uh, Patrick Mahomes on his fantasy team. I was down by like 40 points with Patrick Mahomes and some some rando on my flex spot and somehow ended up winning by point two points. All because of Patrick Mahomes. Thank you in my Lord and Savior, Patrick Mahomes. I, you guys already know how much I love Patrick Mahomes. And I love him even more. Tennessee, even with that brutal, brutal beatdown, still stands at five and three. And Kansas City is now six and two after the 17 to 20 overtime victory. Man, that score sounds familiar. Yeah, right. I think I, I, think I mentioned it like five times already. Yeah, happening a lot. Uh, so Patrick Mahomes, 43 uh, completions on 68 attempts. And the final score is only 20 points on their team. You know, it seems like, whoa, like what, what is going on there? We were losing, we were down by 48, and you had to throw so much. But no, man, that's just, it's just weird. This is what Patrick Mahomes does, man. 446 yards, only one touchdown, had a pick because of Kelsey's weird mumbo jumbo hand uh, issue. And um, out of nowhere, runs six times for 63 yards and a touchdown. And probably one of the best runs of his career, if not the second best run after that touchdown in the playoffs. Um, that run literally changed everything in this game down the middle, third, third and like 17 or something crazy long, um, got a first down. It, it's, this, these are the tangibles. Like we mentioned, Lamar Jackson, really good at scrambling, really good at evading tackles, really good at passing too, but sometimes he makes those weird throws. Josh Allen sometimes throws grounders, but has one of the best deep bombs in the game. There's some really placed quarterbacks like Tom Brady, Drew Brees, who sits on, who sit in the pocket and just do things beautifully. And then we have Patrick Mahomes who does all of that beautifully so for that reason they're never out of any game even if the game script is not in their favor if the tight like what i mentioned to show it last week was that the titans are the only team that have the ability to slow any team down and turn any game into how they want to play the game and that's exactly what they did they still lost and that's that just that just speaks volumes for how uh good patrick mahomes is because everything was going against them everything at the if, if you're losing the game script you typically end up losing the game and, you know, just scratched their way, scratched their way, did this, did that. Kelsey was kind of held in check, if you really think about it. No touchdowns for him. They had to throw to him 17 times, caught 10 of them for 106 yards. Juju was a huge factor, came out of nowhere. When, when Travis Kelsey was tired, he literally ran the same routes Travis Kelsey did and did the exact same things for 10 uh, receptions on 12 targets for 88 yards. Hardman just keeps finding the end zone. Again, all these numbers. Please take it with a grain of salt because he threw it 68 times. And we're not talking about Jared Goff throwing it 68 times. We're talking about an accurate quarterback throwing it 68 times, which means everybody's going to ink. And for that reason, Hardman had six catches on nine targets for 79 yards and a touchdown. So these are the only three uh, players outside of Patrick Mahomes that I'm even thinking about. Hardman, I'm still not buying. I'm still not buying into this because it's still used as a gadget player. And again, I keep talking about this, but this late into the season, if you're still trying to risk it with gadget players, bro, you're not going to make it very far. At this point, you have a couple more weeks left to make some trades, get rid of all these gadgety what-if players and turn them into solid, consistent players. And I'm not sold on Hardman yet. Again, he's proven me wrong four weeks in a row with a touchdown. 
uh, multiple touchdowns one of those weeks, and maybe it'll continue, but this isn't the type of offense where you can just lock on to one player whose name is not Travis Kelsey. Juju has slowly started becoming that player. I have full faith in Juju. Um, been having full faith in Juju since about week four, week five. He's not going anywhere. Juju, Kelsey, Locke, Hardman, eh, players are out by week. Sure, I would not be banking on them to take you to your fantasy Super Bowl. On the other end, well, actually, let's just touch on some running backs too. Don't start them. On the other end, on the Tennessee Titans end, you had Willis come in and just try to do what you can do. No, nothing worked. Um, there, I do feel bad for him at one point, though, because he did throw like a 40-yard pass that was just blatantly dropped. If that was caught, game's a little bit different. Uh, he went. He only completed five passes for uh, on 16 attempts on uh, with 80 yards to show for. He ran the ball eight times for 40 yards. Nothing special here yet. Um, not sure. We can't really evaluate him this early uh, with really no receivers to worry about or nothing really going on his favor to give any credit or take away any credit. He did what he had to do, and that was hand the ball off any chance they got. Um, 17 tokes for uh, Henry for 115 yards and two touchdowns. Just King Henry, man. We made that one video. We made that one TikTok video on one player, and thankfully it was uh, on Henry, and things are working out pretty well there. Henry is just a stud. A lot of people just kind of just wrote him off because of that foot injury. But again, like we mentioned, uh, when you have one some generational player, they, they're just different. They're just different. On the wide receivers, uh, again, just like the Chiefs running backs, just forget about it. They don't exist. Don't look there. Don't, don't even think about it there. Maybe when um, Tannehill comes back and they kind of become more uh, multidimensional, that's even pushing it a little bit. Woods kind of comes, creeps up into that topic. Maybe Burks kind of becomes relevant. But again, I'm going to keep saying this. These conversations were nice and fruitful and fun to talk about weeks one, two, three, four, five. But now, you know, it's the, the difference between the boys playing fantasy football and the men playing fantasy football is throwing players like Nicole Hardman out there and expecting, you know, things to be consistent. Yes, you'll get yours some days. And even those random players will be tapping themselves in the back after making some really good plays. But at the end of the day, it's time to get consistent. And if you don't have consistent players in every spot, you need to make something happen because going on out you know you can make you can make it to the playoffs but once you make it to the playoffs you're only going to be playing good teams and then the chances for lucky plays here and there become very slim so you got to get really consistent so you're saying there's a chance <laughs> there's always a chance so you're saying start isaiah pacheco and robert woods next week <laughs> <laughs> all right next up we have the last game monday night football ravens at saints uh, Baltimore was favored by two and a half points. The final score, 27-13. Baltimore comes out with a win uh, on that game. Uh, Baltimore, yeah, so they, they ran the ball well uh, and were and enough to get points. Kenyon Drake gets a touchdown with 98 yards. Um, and then I, I mentioned uh, Lamar Jackson's woes as far as throwing, but when he can you know get the play moving and get, continue to move the chains and get first downs, they're going to be very successful. And uh, Lamar Jackson did just that. Uh, Lamar, um, he, he had, um, one second, sorry. All right. He had 82 rushing yards, uh, complemented that with 133 passing yards and one touchdown. Um, Isaiah likely just gets one catch that, but that one catch ends up being a touchdown. So saved some fantasy owners. He's tight end nine on the on, tight end nine on the week on one catch. That's crazy. That's a, that's a tight end position for you. Tells you everything about tight end. My tight end, who I started, did not get that many points. Taysom Hill, who, who was on the Saints. Uh, and, uh, you know, my it's a sad story for me. I won't get into uh, my loss of one yard. But uh, nonetheless, on the Saints side, 
really nothing going on uh, outside of the end of second quarter and maybe the beginning of the fourth quarter. Uh, they, they were there was crucial drives where they could have got it. Uh, they could have scored a touchdown and Andy Dalton just missed, missed his receiver to, to get a touchdown. Uh, Chris Olave had a, a solid day, um, finished with a total of 71 yards on six catches. Uh, and then Juwan Johnson, their tight end, two, rece two receptions, 42 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Alvin Kamara, not really getting anything done, nine carries and 30 yards. But, uh, you know, when, when there's not enough opportunities for the Saints to get uh, be an offense, it's just not going to work out for them. The Ravens were able to move the ball, get to the end zone, either kick a field goal or score a touchdown. And, uh, we, you know, they had, what, 10, 10, 20 seconds in the last, in, in last fourth quarter, uh, 20 seconds left in the game, and they just decided to run it. They just basically gave up. Uh, so, you know, Ravens just come in here, run the ball uh, efficiently, and and Lamar Jackson does, does just does just just enough to get them a win two quick shout outs to my uh former Jekyll and Hyde and my current Jekyll and Hyde Deshaun Jackson comes on the field makes a really nice catch super fast oh yeah he's back pulls his hamstring what else <laughs> is new Deshaun uh and then Kenyon Drake looks really really good he just keeps running the ball and running it well there was one run on the left hand side where he made this jump cut back in and I was like whoa that does not look like Kenyon Drake. That looks like some ETN Kenneth Walker shit. So um, I know Gus Edwards is supposed to be back next week, but I mean, Kenneth, Kenyon Drake, I feel like deserves a real look as the number one running back on that offense. Am I, am yeah. I wrong? I feel like he has done enough to be like, guys, like take me seriously. <laughs> you know, don't continue yeah. to wait. Don't continue to wait for the injured running backs to come back just so I can go back down in the, in the depth chart. But like when I'm getting opportunities, I'm playing well, granted the saints defense sucks, whatever. But like, I, it's not, he wasn't getting, doing well because the Saints defense was bad. The way he was running looked different. And that's what he's looked like all year. Yeah. He's looked I'm really good. The, it's just having too many good players on that team. Yeah. Gus Edwards, when he, on the first downs and second downs, he's really explosive. As soon as he touches the ball, he's not one of those players that does the Kenyon Drake things like the jump cuts and things like that. He's just more of like, let me just find the first hole and just explode towards it. So having both of those kind of helps him out. And I think, um, they can really work well together because this team, sorry, this team is not going anywhere from the run. This is the new, uh, you know, the first three weeks of football. Uh, I think Lamar Jackson had like a 45 point day and a, and a 50 point day or something like that. Something crazy, 240 something point days. We're not going to see those anymore because of this run first often that is here to stay and it's not going anywhere. I, I would stay away from Kenny Drake just because they're going into a bye week next week. And Gus Edwards does come back. So, you know, the split carries and Ravens running back situation does not make me want to yeah, no. use my waiver picks at all if he's available. Here's the thing, though. We're, in, we're at that point of the season where uh, who are you going to have on your team? Like, it's, it's, it's about getting your team ready for the playoffs. It's about all these injuries that are going to come. And you got to make sure these injuries don't derail you from your playoff seating, right? So it's like we talked about last week. You know, if you're a Pinion Drake or, uh, you know, um, well, you can't, there's really nobody in front of him. So I can't even say handcuff Kenyon Drake. He's legit starter at this point. Um, but yeah, your fears are, are acknowledged. I understand that if Gus Edwards comes back, you're going to lose some from Drake. But what are the other options as far as like stacking your team with running backs goes? Like, you know, players, there's not much out there. We're looking mm -hmm. at players that are barely even going to get touches. And we're talking about a split situation. A split situation at this point is phenomenal. I want some split situations on my bench in case someone goes down, whatever I'm happy with. I'm not getting Drake to put him in my starting lineup 
unless this Gus Edwards thing is like solidified or more, but just having him on your team with the way he looks and with the injuries to everybody else around him. And they clearly don't like using Justice Hill because that guy could have scored two of those touchdowns Drake scored easily. What was going on? Okay. Anyways. Um, yeah, that's, that's all I had to say. Yeah. yeah. Me, it's all about waiver picks and not making sure not to, to, to save those waiver picks in the event that somebody else picks them up and they don't have a roster spot, they drop them, then you can pick them up and not waste that. Or if you're doing fab, not to put too much money on Kenyon Drake, even though he scored a lot of points. With Gus Edwards coming back, you, you, there's just a lot of uncertainty there. Yeah, I, I think I totally get it from both sides. Obviously, if you're fab, you don't want to spend too much on a split carry back. But just look at my situation this week in our league. Uh, needing to start a running back, right? I didn't have, there were no options for number one running backs to start, right? So I'm looking at the best running back that is in the most advantageous situation from a split carry or whatever that has an opportunity to fall in the end zone. And right now, the Ravens love to run the football. Lamar Jackson can take away some of those rushing touchdowns, but they love to run the football, right? So if you have an option where, you know, you had Aaron Jones while he was healthy and AJ Dillon, or you have uh, Kenyon Drake and Gus Edwards and Kenyon Drake, even if Gus Edwards comes back next week, they're like, Kenyon Drake's the starter. Gus will get his work. Are you more comfortable starting AJ Dillon? Or are you more comfortable starting Kenyon Drake? I'm more comfortable starting Kenyon Drake. So there are situations where Kenyon Drake becomes a better starting option. Like I would have gladly started Gus Edwards this week, knowing that he was the backup to Kenyon Drake, just knowing that he was still going to get some touches because we're in bye weeks where, you know, unless you're the team that has the luxury of like five running backs that you can interchange your, your ability to start somebody is scarce with all the injuries going down, et cetera. So uh, don't be in a situation like me where, you know, you pick, I picked a Boston Scott on Thursday night because they were playing Houston. They were playing Houston and I'm like, okay, Miles Sanders will have a good game. But once he gets his touchdown, they'll probably bring someone else in. Logically it made sense because they brought in Gainwell and Gainwell got the other touchdown. Boston Scott was in there on a couple of uh, goal to go downs, but they didn't give him a football. Right. So I'm just trying to think of like who, who can fall into the end zone and make me like salvage That's, a day? God, I hate that. That's the worst feeling. Worst, worst feeling ever. Yeah, absolutely. It is the worst feeling ever. And that was me this week. And, you know, again, the situation was what it was. But uh, long story short, I agree with both sides of what you guys are saying. But we're at that point of the season where, you know, personally, I would have lo loved to have had Kenyon Drake in a split carry or Gus Edwards in a split carry situation over, you know, one of the options that I had. So, and, and uh, just, just to kind of give like a little bit more input on why this method kind of works because all season long, I've been, I'm number one in my other league right now. And all I've been doing is replacing my number two running backs with a split carry guy and just hoping for the best. And it was Michael Carter, Foreman, all those guys have exploded in the, in their, uh, uh, respective situations throughout the year and it, it's not over like the, just because of the seating just because i'm number one doesn't mean my team's better my team's actually worse than like the first five teams in the league but the situational play has given me the opportunity but that just means i have to do that every single week going forward that's the downside of the split carry business you got to look at it way more in depth and way more in detail about which defense you play are you playing in turf are you playing out in the rain are you going to get the ball more does the quarterback do play actions like there's a lot more involved when you're dealing with split carry running backs that's why it fucking sucks, but it's yeah. good to have them just from a um, injury perspective. If somebody goes down, then you got to have somebody to replace them. Well, with Chuck Chubba coming back, I mean, you're probably going to still start Michael Carter, but Tyler Algier might be the guy you want to uh, invest the split carry business with, given that they're playing against Carolina this week. That is the rundown, guys. My favorite part of the episode. Let's hand out some awards. My first award is the one of one award patty mahomes 
Wow, you are absolutely correct, man. Patrick Mahomes <laughs> gets the one of one award. I think Josh Allen has tried his hardest to become come into this Patrick Mahomes echelon. I think Justin Herbert creeps in last year. Oh my God, is he almost there? He's kind of close. Jalen Hurts is taking the next step. Wow, wow, wow. Rodgers, Brady, Hall of Fame-esque. There is nobody in the NFL on the level of quarterback play that is Patrick Mahomes. He is the best quarterback in the league. He was the best quarterback in the league when the season started. And 10 weeks in, he is still the best quarterback in the league. Um, The guy just does things differently. He doesn't have a lot of, he doesn't, his boneheaded mistakes are because he's trying to make spectacular happen, right? He's not missing guys like Lamar Jackson is. He's not overthrowing guys like Allen is at times. He's just putting balls in situations where he thinks he can maximize whatever the opportunity is. And sometimes that doesn't work out, but that's exactly why he's so great. He could give two shits if that turns into an interception. If he throws it across the body and he gets tipped, he could give two shits because his sole purpose is to get the most out of every single football play. And like you said, that's what we see on the field. That's exactly how he plays. Um, He is the best quarterback in football. Again, an insane week for him that come from behind victory against the Titans in a game where, you know, they looked really, really bad all game but all it takes is one drive. All it takes is one shot. You know, you go over 26, you give Kobe the game winner and he still hits it. Cause it doesn't fucking matter. That's Patrick Mahomes right now, given the ball with the final possession in a position to win. And he is going to do that for you. I have no doubts that he is the guy I'd want over every other quarterback. He gets my award for the week. One of one. Very nice. Well-deserved award. Patrick Mahomes, probably his best award yet. Um, so I have an award and it's called, and the Oscar goes to some kind of really good acting because they're not as good as they no. seem. No, no, no. The second part is not true. No, really good acting. Part, really good acting. So it, it, it's one of the best it, actors it, I have ever seen. It's not the yeah. best acting is it, I've ever seen. Is it the referee in the Vikings Commanders game? <laughs> no, that was no <laughs> acting there. That was just straight that up. That was just blatant shit. Uh, no, any guesses? It's a really I'm, tough one to guess. But anyways, there was a play. In the Seattle Seahawks Cardinals game, where Kenneth Walker scored a touchdown on the left side, running down the left side, broke some tackles, did this, did that, got in the end zone. The only reason that happened was because of the intangibles, and that's where this award goes to. The award goes to DK Metcalf because he did something I've never seen before anybody do. He he was probably uh, manned up by the defender. And the defender is not looking at the play. He's looking at DK Metcalf because fucking huge. What are you going to do? You got to look at him. So DK Metcalf kind of goes by him and he's like running around on a run play, right? Instead of blocking the guy. He's running around. He turns around and he sees the play developing. He sees it. It's, it's that it's developing so well that he continues his route and he even does a head nod. He raises his hand and then like, right, like he does this little thingy where like it looks like he's about to catch the ball. The defender just jumps and he falls. Kenneth Walker just walks into the end zone. Nobody notices that shit because that's not where the ball is, right? But if he was it for that play, I'm gonna I'm gonna copy that link and I'm gonna send it to you guys after finding it. But that was one of the greatest things I've ever seen because you don't see a receiver there. They just start attacking the cornerback to bring him down. And you would think DK Metcalf being as big as he is would probably do a better job of blocking than most people. But he just ran the route and like it was all self-aware consciousness and like raised his hand, did, did like a fake grab to the ball and it got him, got him so good. And I was like, I like when I met my job up, I was like, why doesn't anybody else do that? It was just beautiful. Wow. Took the defender completely well out of the play. I saw that. That was phenomenal. Yeah. Nice. Good award. All right. Next up, popcorn award. Any, any popcorn. Yeah. He's popping off. Justin Fields. 
It is not Justin Fields, but it is actually Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon. That's right. But not one, not two, not three, not four, but five freaking touchdowns. You know, this is the reason why you drafted Joe Mixon, not for his yards per carry or anything like that, but because this guy gets into the end zone. And he did. Uh, you drafted five. him with the hope that he would have a game where he scores five touchdowns. <laughs> Just the fact that he, he had 15 touchdowns last year. So, you know, the fact that he had five touchdowns, this is what uh, all Mixon holders were waiting for, and they finally got it. So for going off, popping off, Joe Mixon gets a popcorn award. Damn. Just taking all the touchdowns away from the people that deserve it. <laughs> Joe, way to go. My game ball this week, guys, goes to a position that just does not get enough respect. It is going to the kicker, Nicholas Folk. Nicholas Folk, 17 fantasy points, four for four kicking, field goals, two for two extra points. Over the last two weeks, this dude has 38 fantasy points. Why is that relevant? Because that is a astronomical amount that tips your team over the edge and winning. If I had Nick Folk, I would have won. Chauvet, if you had Nick Folk, you would have won. I guarantee you 80% of the people that listen to this that lost their matchup, if they started Nick Folk over the kicker that they had, they probably would have won. These numbers are nothing to be taken lightly. The Patriots are the epitome of an offense that loves to run, 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 run the football. And when they can't run it anymore, they're not going to throw it. They'll just kick the field goal. And so Nick Folk has nine field goals in the last two weeks. I don't expect this to stop because that's just the recipe of this offense. The quarterback is the compliment. The kicker is actually more important than the quarterback in this offense. So I think Nick Folk is here to stay. There's really no reason this guy should be a free agent in any leagues. If he is like, what the fuck are you thinking? Nick Folk gets my game ball, man. Keep on kicking, baby. Yeah, I mean, if you'd have seen the uh, Patriots-Browns game where I deemed it the kicker matchup of the week, you should have had you should have had Nick Foles on your team since then or Nick Folk on your team since then. Um, but yeah, that special team's just killing it right now. So my award is the New Era Award. You're giving you're giving a game ball called the New Era Award. Yeah, or I mean, yeah, I mean, whatever. Same thing. It's it's essentially <laughs> the same thing. It's the New, New Era game ball. New era game ball. It's not Fields. It could be Fields. Is it Justin Fields? It's Justin Fields. Aww. Because we thought it was just Lamar Jackson who we doing those things. No longer. No longer was Justin Fields uh, a pocket passer. This is, this is one of the greatest days in football history where so much talent is not restricted to doing something that is not lucrative in that offense. So he's out here just doing uh, Lamar Jackson things, and he's frankly going to might be even better at it if this um you know if some weapons are there because if you're dropping 40 something fantasy points 42 43 fantasy points with no wide receivers 32nd ranked offensive line like where is the ceiling here somebody tell me where the ceiling is because i have no idea no words to be found he's a fantasy he's a fantasy dream i mean he's literally a fantasy dream because they only like to run the football and that makes a running quarterback a fantasy dream. And we talked about it. We we put out uh, I put out the list of waivers on our social media. He's still only rostered in forty seven percent of ESPN leagues, which is just wild. He's rostered, rostered in forty seven percent. I think only started in like twenty five. So one out of only four leagues is somebody actually starting Justin Fields, which is just stupid. If you didn't start Justin Fields last week, I feel very sorry for you. And uh, <laughs> man, that must suck. I couldn't sleep last night because of one yard. If I wouldn't start Justin Fields, I would have probably not slept all night. All right. Probably uh, slept better because the pain would have been much less. You think so? I don't know. No, I don't know. Never mind. That's probably worse. 
All right. Uh, my I have to call it audible because Justin Fields was my game ball, but I, yeah, I, I know noticed that. It's actually I two. I noticed you talk, called two audibles. Didn't you have Patrick Mahomes this one and then you changed <laughs> it to Justin Fields? Multiple <laughs> audibles on the same play. The game ball goes to me. No. Uh, yeah. so the game ball is going to go to Travis Etienne with back-to-back spectacular weeks. Uh, finds a way to get to the end zone. He's doing this on 28 carries, 109 yards, two touchdowns a total of 25.6 points. And it was that Denver game where I was sold on Travis Etienne. And now he's just solidifying. He's proven himself to be the number one RB one. And he's 11th this year, as far as running backs are concerned, that's just going to get more. It's just, he's going to rank a lot higher than 11th by the end of the year, barring any injuries. So Travis Etienne, way to go, man. Get the game ball. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a year where again, you're, you're insanely happy if you have a running back that doesn't have another running back next to him, that it can take some of his workload and they traded away the one guy that they had. So with all this timeshares, split carries, multiple running backs, one guy runs it on first and second down. One guy catches all of them on third down. Like having a guy that does all three right now is like gold, right? It's like, yeah, gold. look at, look at uh Preble's team. He's got three players that do that. So must be nice. Yeah. I know, uh, Jake, Jake, uh, the guy that's come on our podcast, that's a Panthers fan. He has Austin Eckler as well. He also has Travis Etienne. Isn't that who else, who Preble also has? Who's Preble's third guy? Walker. 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 Oh, no, he has Swift, who is not that person right now. He's hurt. He's still hurt. He's still hurt. Jake has Austin Eckler, uh, Travis Etienne, and Damian Pierce right now. So, uh, he is he is living the dream of running back. So, must be nice. Again, the, the, the position that becomes the most important as the uh, season comes to the home stretch. That's it for awards, guys. Let's end the episode real quick. Let's preview Thursday night football. The Falcons, we just talked about them. They are traveling to Carolina to take on the Panthers. Cordell Patterson is back. Uh, the Panthers have a dilemma of their own. Apparently, they're starting P.J. Walker, which is, you know, uh, I guess he's he's been their best opportunity to win football games recently. But the Falcons on the road, three-point favorites over under 44 and a half. Um, you're looking at a situation where Chubba Hubbard is back. So the foreman Hubbard situation gets a little bit interesting. I don't know which way you guys lean. If you're still, you know, Falcons defense is pretty bad against the run. So are you still comfortable starting foreman knowing that Chubba is probably going to be on a snap count? Uh, and then, you know, is there a world where Terrence Marshall Jr. gets thrown into the mix because you are absolutely that desperate? Again, the Falcons are a good team to start randos against because their defense sucks. So nine targets, six targets last two weeks, four catches, 87 yards, three catches, 53 yards and a touchdown. Uh, DJ Moore is the name, but that's exactly why he gets a lot of attention on defense. And that's where randos like Terrence Marshall can step up. But uh, I think if you're in a good situation, you're probably not starting any of those guys. But from a fantasy perspective in this game, Cordero Patterson is probably a start and you're probably starting uh, Foreman. But other than that, is there anybody else that you guys are rolling with in this matchup? Uh, Pitts. (laughs) Uh, What did he do last week? Nothing. Yeah, like three points. My God. Is he going to go down as one of the biggest busts in the history of busting? Like not as a fantasy player, but just as a player? Drafted fourth overall? Like what is going on? I think we need to see a change in team before we can label that. Because Mariota, it's hard to like, I don't know, man. You can't evaluate players. Like Drake London, are we going to call him a bust too? Like I think think Mariota is the real bust here. I think it's the Arthur Smith's ultimate bust here. God, just imagine Kyle Pitts getting traded to like the Packers or something. Holy shit, like that would be stupid um this should be yeah. a fun game it's a rematch of that game where uh pj walker threw that yeah, th- crazy two weeks ago uh, <laughs> two, yeah, weeks two weeks ago, ago right so that, the that's dj cool. dj Moore taking his helmet off thing yeah yeah uh, 
Yeah, so a, a, an intriguing Thursday night matchup here. Two teams that uh, probably don't have playoff aspirations, but their division is a little bit tighter than you would expect. Uh, that's it, guys. That's it for the episode. Do you guys have anything to add? Uh, just to touch on the Foreman Chuba thing, I don't think I'm excited about it either, but I'm I'm less excited about Chuba than I am about Foreman, just because what game has Chuba had where he's done like better than Foreman? You're like, oh my god, this guy should have the number one no. role. There hasn't no. really been much of those. So uh, for just for that reason alone, by default, a flex consideration RB two if you're desperate would be Foreman Chuba. Dude, I don't see myself starting Chuba. That's still a better consideration. If like I'd rather live like that than have to figure out Foreman or Najee Harris, which is what I'm having to do, and I do not know what to do with that. Yeah, let me let me let's let's talk some trade. I think you could use some Chris Godwin on your team, and I could probably take away Najee Harris from you there. No, I got plenty <laughs> of receivers on Chris Godwin. No, I do not want Chris Godwin. But uh, I like this conversation. We can maybe move it forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe some Amon Ray in there somewhere talking about something. <laughs> Uh, must be nice. Must be nice to make trades and be excited about it because there's potential you can, for your season. Yeah. yeah. If only we were in Dynasty League, then I could just tank and rebuild for next year. I could just somehow I could hire Agia to manage my league like the Colts are hiring Jeff Saturday. And then we're just like, hey, at least she's trying her hardest, but losing every game. So um that's it, guys. That's the episode. Thank you guys so much for sticking with us for another long-winded episode where we recap week nine. We will preview week 10 here probably in a couple of days. Um, again, if you're like me and you're 0 and 9 and you're trying to play for something, uh, just know that, you know, never give up, I guess. I don't know. Do you guys have any, do you guys have any words of wisdom for somebody who is 0 and 9 and basically has no shot at making the playoffs? They're not in a dynasty league. They're not in a keeper league. There is really nothing else to no, continue there to is. play for. Yeah. There fucking is, but... bring down everybody else. Yes. Just bring down everybody else. So you can, so you can kill their playoff hopes. There's yeah, nothing nice. else. I love that's fantastic that you bring this up this week because I'm playing Shovit. So I will bring you down, Shovit. I'm going to get my first fucking victory this week, bringing you down based on your inspiration that you just gave me. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. We are the only playbook. I'm Sweetheart. That's your show. That's Shovit. Have a great week. Not just the I'm going to do about it.